Now, before you sit down, turn to your neighbor and say, you ready to get in the zone? And you can take your seat. You can take your seat, but your, pros, po, your posture still needs to be like one front foot forward and, and into the message. Because I'm telling you, God has sent me on assignment today to bring you this message. And, and everything that's happened so far is just, is just kind of feeding into what I have to share with you today. And, uh, but it's, it's about getting uh, in the zone. And, and I want to talk to you about um, the zone, but it's a different kind of zone. And I'm going to start off by, has anybody ever heard of how athletes talk about when they get in the zone? Anybody ever heard that? You know, I heard Kobe Bryant say, man, I'm in the zone. When I'm in the zone, the basket looks huge. I cannot miss. It doesn't matter if I'm off balance, if I'm on balance, if there's 10 people on me, if there's one person on me, everything is going to, you know, swish because I'm in the zone. It just looks, it just feels good. You see clear. There's no distractions. You feel strong. You feel focused. That's being in the zone. And, you know, when you're golfing and, you, um, and you're putting and the, the hole looks like a bathtub, not like a little wall, a little hole. It looks like a bathtub, and I know Rich has experienced that. I've never experienced that. I've never experienced the hole looking like a, a bathtub. I know Matt Tuggles experienced that. He's in the zone. I've never been in that kind of zone, but I have been in the zone before, and uh, I can remember this is like in 1998. I was in the zone. I was playing baseball. We were playing the Phillies in Clearwater, Florida. In Clearwater, Florida, it is hot. I was, in the, I was in Florida in the hottest and driest summer in 50 years when I was there. We got smoked out from a fire before we got rained out. And if you play baseball in Florida, you get rained out all the time because it rains every day. And it rains like it dumps, it pours, and it's like, it's like uh, you know, five feet deep in like two minutes. That's how hard it rains. But we, didn't, we got smoked out before we got rained out, so it's hot. And we're in the middle of a 32-day uh, stint on the road and at home where we played every single day. We didn't have one day off out of 32 days in a row. We played 32 games. But for some reason, in the midst of all of that, I found myself in the zone. And so I get up to bat in, in Clearwater, Florida, and uh, in this game, and for some reason something clicked, and I started feeling focused. I started feeling strong. I started feeling good. Everything else was kind of melting away. There was no distractions in that game. That first game, I went five for five. So I got five hits out of five at-bats. I love how people cheer when I say that. It's funny. Um, and so I was feeling great. And after the game, I go into the, to the locker room, and my coach is like, man, good game. John, if you can do that again tomorrow, I'm going to give you $100. If you can get a hit tomorrow, every single time you get up, I'm going to give you 100 bucks. Now, $100 when you're in the minor leagues is a lot. I was in A-ball. I was making $890 a month. So 100 bucks is like a 15% increase or whatever. And, uh, you know, I had been, I had, I had a temper back then. It was before I was a pastor. And so I had been thrown out of a couple of games. It's a $50 fine. You know, I'm struggling, trying to put money away. And so $100 is a big deal. But the odds of going five for five again or four for four again are like zero. But I get up the next day and, I'm, and, and, and I get up uh, to the plate and I'm still feeling good. You know, I'm feeling good. So that game, uh, I go four for four. So now I'm nine for my last nine, which means your batting average is going like that. And I'm, so I'm feeling good. I'm like, I'm like waiting for the call on the phone to go to the big leagues. I'm like, it's on. I'm ready right now. Coach, put me in. So after the game, I go in and my coach hands me a $100 check and I'm like, thank you, Jesus. And so the next day, I'm thinking to myself, I'm still feeling good. Though. I'm still in the zone. You know, I'm still feeling focused. I'm still feeling strong. And I get up to bat my first time and it's almost like, you know, I'm like feeling bad for the pitcher. I'm like, 
<clears throat> you're about to get smoked, you know. So I'm up there, and I'm like, if you just, I'm like, just get it close, and I'm going to unleash. So pitch it and then run, or pitch it and then duck, because I'm about to hit this ball very hard. So that's what I'm thinking in my head, for real. And uh, <clears throat> so they pitched me the ball, and you got to understand this. When you're a hitter and you're in the zone, it doesn't matter how hard the pitcher's throwing. He could be throwing 95, 100, doesn't matter. The, the game slows down. All of a sudden, it becomes easy. And, and when, they, when they pitch the ball and they release the ball, you can actually see the, the spin. You, can, you know if it's a curveball, if it's a slider, if it's a changeup, if it's a fastball. You actually can see it right when it leaves the hand of the pitcher. So what does that do to you? That, makes, that means that you're completely balanced on no matter what pitch they're throwing. And so whatever pitch they throw, if it's close to the zone, you're on it. And you're ready to attack. That's what I'm feeling. And, and, and I'm feeling bad for the pitcher, you know. Pitch it and duck. And so, um, so my first at-bat, I get a hit again. So now I'm 10 for 10. I mean, it's like unbelievable. And then my next at-bat, there's a guy on third base. And so I hit a sacrifice fly. I get a hold of it pretty good. It goes to left center field. They catch the ball. The runner scores. It doesn't count as, at, as an at-bat, just an RBI. So now I'm, I'm still 10 for 10. Now I get up again, and I get another hit. Now I'm 11 for 11. Seriously, wow. I'm, I'm seriously, I'm like, man, if I don't get called to the big leagues right now, I don't know what to do. Like, seriously, it doesn't get any better than this because I'm in the zone, you know. And then, so then my next at bat, I get out. So, now, so I went 11 for 11. I was in the zone. And, it, it, but the zone in sports is like, it's like a place that you can't explain how you get in it. And you can't explain why it leaves you. You know what I mean? It's like you feel good one day and then you feel like crap the next day. And so... But, but this isn't a, uh, a sermon about baseball or about the athletic zone or, you know, you can get to the zone in your marketplace job and stuff too. This is, this is uh, I want to talk to you today about a different zone. It's a similar zone because in this zone, uh, things become clear. Things become easy. But this zone is called the drop zone. This is called the drop zone. And this is a place where you put yourself in a position to get a drop from heaven. I used to uh, hang out with uh, my friend Colin a couple of years ago, and we would meet like once a week and talk about the drops that we got from heaven. And we'd be like, dude, you should have seen, I was praying the other day, and I got this drop from heaven. Like, you're not going to believe this. And then he would share, oh, my gosh, I got this drop, too. It was unbelievable. You know, and all of a sudden, my business is flourishing. I got these new deals or whatever. So we would get these drops. And so we, we ended up coining the phrase the drop zone because if we're getting these drops from heaven, how do we stay in that zone? How do we stay in the drop zone? We're, we're continually hearing from God, and we're continually, you know, things are getting clear in the spirit, and we're going from this dimension into that dimension. If, it's, if drops can happen just out of nowhere, where then how do we stay in that zone? It's called the drop zone. Now, the definition of a drop zone is a designated place or target where food, supplies, or troops will be dropped. Food, supplies, or troops will be dropped. And so the drop zone is about that targeted place. It's about that place where God can speak to you. It's about that place where uh, you know you're going to hear from God. But it's not necessarily just about a place. It's not, uh, the drop zone is, uh, it's good to have a place, but it's not about the place. But it's good to have a place because if you have a place, you can start to build a habit. And if you can build a habit, you can start to get disciplined. And if you can get disciplined, you can start to hear from God on a regular basis in this drop zone. And you can start to build something significant in your relationship with God. But it's not necessarily about the place. But you need a place. Do you have a place? I remember, uh, 
in my old house, my place, my drop zone was a, there was a walkway behind my home, and I would put on my uh, headphones, and I would get onto the, to the, uh, to the walkway. People were jogging and walking, and I, but I would be in my drop zone. And it was a place where I could, where everything else just kind of went away, and I went from this dimension to this dimension. I started to connect with God, and I got in a position to hear from God. In my house now, it's my garage, and, and my beautiful wife just cleaned my garage, so now I just want to hang out in the drop zone because it's so clean, it's so nice. It's not just a place where my kids play Wii or play on their toys. I don't have one of those, like, man garages. It's more like my kid's cave, not a man cave. But uh, it's all right. But now, but now it's the drop zone. And I go into the drop zone every single morning, and I, and I, and I put on worship music. And I, and I know that that's a place where God can meet me there. I know that's a place where every morning when I get there, it's a place that God can count on me to be there. That if he needs to speak something into my life, he can find me in the drop zone. He can find me in the garage. And he can speak a word. And I prophesy in my drop zone. I prophesy over my drop zone that it's not just a garage. It's a sanctuary from heaven. It's a sanctuary where God can come in. I invite God in to speak to me, to talk to me, to have communion with me in that place. And he knows that he can count on me to be there. If he needs to speak a word, I prophesy out of my, the windows in my garage saying that uh, I declare that the fire of God will be seen, that the light of heaven will be seen out in the neighborhood on the other side of my garage, that my neighborhood will be changed because of the, the drop zone, because of what's happening, the fire that is burning, the light that is going out from my garage, that people will start to feel like, man, I need Jesus in my neighborhood, that people will start to come to Christ, that people will start to come to church because of the, 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 the ground that I'm digging and the ground that I'm taking in the drop zone but it's not really about the place but you got to have a place you got to have a place to go my car is my mobile drop zone in my car I've made a decision that I am only going to play praise and worship listen to messages or pray that's just my choice this doesn't have to be your choice but I've made I've made a decision that I need to be in the presence of God as much as I can because stuff is always happening and I need to reconnect with my heavenly father and my car is such a great place to have a mobile drop zone if you know Pastor Phil Pringle, he's, the, he's kind of the father of the C3 movement. He's a huge drop zone guy. He doesn't call it the drop zone necessarily, but it is, it is called the drop zone, but he doesn't call it the drop zone. He doesn't know about the drop zone. He might after this. Pastor Phil, do you listen to these? I don't know. Um, if you do, God bless you, man. Um, but anyways, he, his drop zone is the beach. If you follow Pastor Phil on Instagram, you will see the sun rise, a picture of the sun rise on Instagram, and it makes you feel really convicted if you haven't been in your own zone because you see that Pastor Phil had been there before the sun got up, and he's showing you a picture of the glory of God before you even get up. He's famous for this all over the world. He's famous for spending an hour in the zone every single morning, and his place is the beach. I know that uh, Pastor Jurgen, the disciple of Pastor Phil, our senior pastor, our lead pastor, I know he's a huge drop zone guy. Again, he doesn't call it the drop zone. I, he's never heard of the drop zone, but he gets in a zone. He gets into the presence of God. He'll go home and he'll, he'll pray, play his guitar and he'll get into the drop zone. He'll, he'll go home and pray and he'll get into the drop zone. He, he wrote a book on prayer because he knows how important it is to pray and to get into that place. Position yourself into a place where God can speak to you. And so the drop zone is about finding a place. The drop zone is about 
spending time, separating time. And it's not about how much time. It's not about the 15 minutes or the hour or the half an hour or the day or the moment. It's not about the time, but you got to have a time. It's not about the place, but you got to have a place. you got to have a place and a time set aside so that you can get into that place of position where God can send drops from heaven that you can hear and apply to your life. It's the drop zone. And we have an unbelievable opportunity. Uh, Mark Batterson, who wrote The Circle Maker, said the plans of God are only revealed in the presence of God. The plans of God are only revealed in the presence of God. And we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to uh, commune with the creator of the universe that wasn't always available. In the Old Testament, as we've learned a lot lately, the presence of God was contained in a box. And that box, the Ark of the Covenant, was, was moved around in the tabernacle. It was behind a veil. And the only person that could go in there was the, was the high priest. The ho- in, into the Holy of Holies was the high priest. And he's the only one that could go in there and experience the presence of God. But how many people are thankful that we're New Covenant Christians? That when the Bible says that when Jesus Christ died on a cross, the veil was ripped from top to bottom. Unleashing and unveiling and exposing the presence of God to anybody who's willing to come. Now we all have the opportunity to enter into the presence of God, to enter into that zone where it's not where we go from this dimension to that dimension, where we go from communication with each other to communication with God. That's what the drop zone is, and we all have an opportunity to go there. And we can come boldly to the throne, the Bible says. We can come boldly not to command or demand God to do stuff for us, but we can come boldly because it was him that ripped the veil. It was him that invited us in. When we go in to make our requests, we can go boldly because he wants us there. He invited us there. He tore the veil. So you and I have an opportunity each and every day, if we choose to, to enter into the drop zone, to enter into the presence of God. The presence of God, the, the, the drop zone, it's about, it's about going in and getting uh, everything that, you, that God has for you by giving him everything that you have. It's by opening up everything. It's a place where you can go and get comfortable. Uh, where you can get comfortable in that place because you've been there before. And you can, you can literally open up your heart and open up your soul to God and say, God, come on in. Because you're comfortable there, because you've been there before, because you've built a discipline and a habit. And, and, and you know what it's like to get into that zone. And God knows he can speak to you in that place. That's what the drop zone is. But the essence of the zone, the essence of the drop zone, a place where uh, all the distractions fall away, all the problems go away, things start to become clear, you give God opportunity to do something in your life. The essence of that place is not to go in and get stuff from God. It's not to go in and manipulate God to bless you or to give you things. The essence, the very essence of the drop zone, the presence of God is for you to fall in love over and over and over again with Jesus. That has to be the priority, is for you to get into that zone, not to get stuff, but to fall in love with Jesus. You'll hear in, uh, you might hear in the DNA relationships or marriage that a great marriage, uh, the key to a great marriage would be to fall in love over and over and over again with your spouse. We're called the bride of Christ. The key to a great relationship with God is to fall in love over and over and over again with him. I'm telling you, when you get in the drop zone, anything goes. All things become possible. All things become possible. But if the essence of that zone is to fall in love with Jesus, let's talk about that. 
Let's talk about it because some of us have left our first love. Some of us have left the very God that created us. So come with me to Revelation 2, verse 1 to 7. Now, the book of Revelation was revealed to John, the Bible says, when he was in the spirit. So John was in the drop zone. So was everybody else that wrote the Bible when he got this word, when he got this revelation about Revelation. And it says this. This is, this is God talking to John, and he's, he's uh, speaking to the church at Ephesus, which was like about 60,000 people. So this was a big church. They're doing stuff. And it says, the angel of the church of Ephesus write this. These things says God who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. It's going pretty good for this church. And you have tested those who say they're apostles and are not and, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my namesake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. That word left means abandoned, divorced, or neglected. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left, abandoned, divorced, neglected, your first love. Remember, therefore, for where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, and I also hate them. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear that this, what the Spirit says to the churches. So John was in the Spirit so that he can hear from God, because in the drop zone, in the Spirit, in the presence of God, you not only have ears, but you have ears to hear. You not only have eyes, but you have eyes to see. You have visions and dreams, and it's where destinies kind of get re uh, uh, revealed and formed. So John was in the spirit. That's how come he got this word. So this church, the church of Ephesus, about 60,000, 70,000 people, they're doing stuff uh, in, in, in Ephesus. The Bible says great works, labor, patience. You cannot bear those who are evil, so they're separating themselves. You would think, man, wow, this church is amazing. They're putting on programs. They're putting on DNA courses. They're putting on conferences. They're volunteering. They're giving to the church. They're evangelizing. They're doing stuff. They're laboring. But God says, you're doing all of that without me. It's possible to do all of that stuff without God. Isn't that amazing? So God gives them a, a little bit of props for doing some work, but then, he, then he, he brings some correction and says, you can do all that stuff, but I want you to do it with me. You've lost your first love. See, the Bible says that he will build his church, not we will build his church. We get caught up in trying to build his church for him. And so what we do is we leave him and get busy doing work for him instead of busy doing work with him. So God is calling us back. And here's the thing about this message. I know that it's not just me that God is speaking to this about. I've been, I've been, this, this, this message has been burning in me for a couple of months. I remember I got this word, this word in Revelation, right before I was doing a wedding a couple months ago. And I didn't share all of this with them, obviously. And, you know, how many people know that when you're doing a wedding and you say, hey, I got a word from you from Revelation, they're like, oh, no, is Jesus coming back before my honeymoon? <laughs> oh, crap. Oh, no. But that wasn't it. It was this. It was coming back to their first love. It was, it was coming back and falling in love with Jesus as a couple so that 
your lampstand wouldn't be taken away so that your light would continue to shine and you would continue to have joy and flourish in your marriage. But you have left your first love, this says. And, you know, I've heard this, this um, verse preached on, and I feel like every time I've heard it preached, and maybe it's just my head, but it, I've heard people say that I've lost my first love. But it actually says you've left your first love. And so if you leave something, you know how to get back there. And so it doesn't say, and it doesn't say you've lost it, you can't find it. It doesn't say God left you. It says we left him. So when you go back to that place, when you get back into that zone, that drop zone, God's still going to be there waiting for you. Because our unfaithfulness, even in our unfaithfulness, he remains faithful. So he, he's waiting for you to come back. He's waiting for us to come back to our first love. And the scary part about what God said is if you don't repent, if you don't change your ways and do your first works, he will come quickly and remove your lampstand. So your first works. If you don't do your first works. Remember when you first got saved? Remember when you first rededicated your life maybe? How did you feel? What did you do? Did you go outside and, you know, and instead of, of seeing busyness and traffic and, and, you know, rain clouds, you saw beautiful mountain ranges that were created by God where everything revealed the glory of God, the clouds, the sunrises, the sunsets. You meditated on God. Your first works. Remember when you used to just meditate on God? Remember when you used to read the Bible? Remember when you used to pray? Remember you used to be in the house of God every week because you were so in love with Jesus. You were so in love and you wanted to get to know him better. You wanted to stay in that place where, where you felt that euphoria of the presence of God. And you felt like you started to see things differently. Your first works. I believe God's calling us back to the first works. Back to our first love. He's still waiting right where you left him. And maybe some of you, man, you're, you've been in the zone. You're in the drop zone. I'm telling you, God wants you to be committed to that zone for life. It's not just a season. It's not just July. It's not just the month you pray in. You know what I mean? We, we need to be committed as people back to the drop zone. So it says if we don't get that right, if we don't get back to our first works, God will remove the lampstand. And in a lamp, there is light. Matthew 5 says that you and I are the light of the world. Let your light so shine that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. If we do not get back to a relationship with God, if we do not get back to our first love and plug into that power source from heaven, our light will dim. And it will dim quickly, the Bible says. It will dim quickly so that the light that you have now could go out just like that, just overnight. Just like when you go to the gym and it takes you six months to get strong and, and, and feel good. If you take a week off, it goes just like that. I believe God wants us committed to the drop zone, to the presence of God, so that our light continues to shine, so that we continually plug into that outlet from heaven, that power source, who is God, who is the Holy Spirit, who is the presence of God, so that our light continues to shine, so that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Come on, somebody. So God's calling us back. God's calling us back. I've been so challenged on taking my devotion to a next level. I mean, when Bishop Pitts came over in power and said the issue is worship, man, the issue for me is still that, you know? And so 
if the drop zone is this powerful place, if it's a position where we put ourselves in to hear from God, then how do we get there? It's not that mysterious zone that, that you know, athletes have where they don't know how they get in and how they get out. We actually know how to get in, and we know how to stay there. And so let's talk about how do we get into the drop zone. And this is the way, the easiest way I can tell you to get into that presence of God, to plug in again to that power source, and it is by thanking, praising, and worshiping God. Praising, thanking, and worshiping God. I'm telling you, you can go there just like that. Here's what the Bible says. Psalms 100, verse 4. It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. So if you want to enter into the drop zone, this is what I see. This is, this is the picture that I get when I read that verse. It's, it's enter his gates uh, with thanksgiving. So you see this big house. This is what I picture, this big house. with a, It's a gated house, and it's in Rancho Santa Fe, not Rancho Santee. Fe, but it's in Rancho Santa Fe. And so you, you come up to the gate and, and the code, you punch in the code and it's Thanksgiving. It's thank you, Jesus. So you punch in that code, the gate opens, and then you start to approach the courts of God. And you begin to praise God. Because as you get closer, you begin to see his glory and you're like, oh my goodness, God, you are unbelievable. You are amazing. I bless your name. Jesus, the name that is above every name. You start to praise him as you get closer and you start to celebrate who he is because you're getting closer. And then you get into the courts with praise. So the praise opens up the courts and it's like the inner circle it's where you can see God close it's where you can hear him it's where you can see what he's doing it's when you begin to hear future uh you know prophetic things in your life it's begin it's, it's where you start to hear drops it's when you enter into his courts it's that inner place it's that inner circle and you may if I've ever prayed for you I may have said started out the prayer like God I thank you for this person and although I'm thankful for you that's not the real reason why I say that. The real reason why I say, God, I thank you for this person is because right there I'm entering into the gates of heaven. And right there, it's more important for me to enter in and to be able to hear from God than it is to be thankful for you, if you know what I mean. Because you might need a miracle. You might need to be healed. You might need a word. You might need a financial miracle. You might need something. You might need your marriage to come back together. So it's important for me to enter into that place, to position myself into a place to hear a drop from heaven. And the easiest way I know how is to thank, praise, and worship God. And you don't have to be in church. As amazing as that praise and worship was today, we don't have to be in church to worship God. Isn't that incredible? You don't even have to sing. You can pray your way in. You can pray thanksgiving and praise and worship. And in fact, God has told me numerous times that he's happier when I do that instead of sing. And so I'll, I'll do that. It's like all things are possible except for that guy getting a good voice, you know. That's me. So that's why I like our music because it's loud and you all can't hear me sing because I'll still sing, especially when I'm in my drop zone in the garage. <laughs> Maybe that's why the neighbors are coming out going, what the heck is going on? There's a dead animal in there. But the Bible says this. It says that God is enthroned by the praises of his people. God is enthroned so that we, when we come in in a posture of praise, we're putting God up in the kingdom, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We are raising, we are exalting the name of Jesus. We are exalting God. We are enthroning him. And what that does is it makes him look big and your problems look small. 
What that does is allows you into the drop zone where all of a sudden stuff starts to fall away and things become clear and you begin to see and hear and, and you begin to get faith on the inside of you because God's revealing the word of God to you and you begin to get faith for, to move that mountain that's in your way. You begin to get faith and, and, and you enthrone him. And I looked up that word enthrone and in the commentary it said that it was literally uh, what the Israelites would do to enthrone God. And, and what it means is that they would put him up there and it was literally an invitation for him to come down in power and invade their circumstance. So that when we enthrone God, when we put him in his rightful place, we're actually inviting him into our world with power to invade our situation and to bring solutions, and to bring answers, and to bring healing, and to, and to bring financial, whatever it is that you need, you can find it in the drop zone. You can find it in the presence of God. But it's not just about that. It's about, it's about falling in love with Jesus. But the quickest way to get in there that I know of is to thank, is to praise, and to worship. It reminds me of David in the Psalms. If you read Psalms, you would, you would see that David oftentimes, King David, oftentimes would start the Psalms out in complaint and in fear, or one or the other. He would complain or he would be in fear, but then very soon he would go to praise. Very soon he would say, but you are my God, you are my rock, you are my salvation. And from praise he would go to faith. And he would say, oh, my God, he laughs at those that gnash their teeth against me because he knows their day is coming. He goes from fear and from complaint to praise to faith and declaration and boldness and confidence because he enters in to the drop zone. And it's a theme. It's not just, it's, it's a theme throughout the Bible, how this stuff goes. In Matthew 8, 2 to 3, I love this. This is like fresh off the press. Matthew 8, verse 2 to 3, it says, And behold, a leper came and worshipped Jesus, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy left. But notice the leper. He approaches Jesus in worship. He approaches Jesus in worship and he puts Jesus in his rightful place. And he invites the power of God to invade his life and bring solutions and healing. And he goes from worship to faith. Because then he says, Jesus, you can make me well if you're willing. And we know that God is always willing to heal. But he goes from worship to faith because when he goes to worship, he enters in to another dimension where all things become possible with God. And it's a theme. It happens in the very next chapter again. Matthew 9, 18 to 19. It says, and while he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler who's usually in charge, a ruler came and worshiped him, saying, my daughter has just died. But come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And Jesus goes and heals his daughter. But it was because a ruler in this life humbled himself and approached Jesus in worship. A ruler approaches Jesus and thrones him in his place. And he goes from thinking, man, my daughter is dead, to Jesus my daughter has just died, but if you lay your hands on her, she'll be made well. He gets faith because he enters into another dimension. He enters into a place where God is on the throne.
and his problem becomes small because he entered in in a posture of worship, in a posture of praise. And immediately he goes to that place of faith and he's able to move mountains. He's able to declare that my daughter, who's already dead, will be made well. And Jesus heals her. Even when you pray, Jesus even says this when he's teaching us how to pray. The disciples come and say, Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus says, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, Luke 2, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means this, to make holy, to sanctify, to consecrate. When we come in a posture of worship, of enthroning, of making him holy, of recognizing who he is, you'll find that when you come in like that, you begin to recognize and realize that the Bible says in, in Hebrews 11 that it was God's word who formed the worlds and that it's God's word who holds the worlds together. So you start to recognize and realize that if God's word can hold the world together, God's word can hold your life together. That your problems become small and insignificant in the eyes of an almighty God. But it's because you come in and you say, hallowed be your name, God. And the next verse, because when you do that, you get faith and you invite the power of God into your life. So the next verse, you're able to declare, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The reason you can proclaim that, the reason you can declare that is because you come with a posture of worship. You come with a posture of praise, of consecration, of putting God in his rightful place. And all of a sudden you're filled with faith and all things become possible. Coming to an end, but Pastor Phil a couple of years ago said this. He said, as Christians, we need to get to the place where on our day off, our number one priority isn't to sleep in, isn't to go to the beach, isn't even to spend time with our family. But our number one priority on our day off is to spend time with Jesus, is to get in his presence. That needs to be the number one priority. If we can do that for no other reason than just to fall in love with Jesus again and again and again, life becomes easier because you begin to operate in the zone. Things become clear. Everything slows down. You get, you get laser focused on what God has for you because you're putting yourself in that position. And I'll end with this quote. I read a tweet last week by Banning Liebscher, and it says this. Those who become famous in the secret place of prayer are allowed to make Jesus famous in the earth. So God is actually looking for us to come back to our first love, to come back to him, to become famous in that place. Even though it's not about the place. But God is looking for us to come to that place where he can count on you to be there, where, he can, where, he can, uh, where you can be made famous in the secret place when nobody else is looking. It's like he's up there with Gabriel and he's like, there he is again. He's in the garage again. There he is again. He's on the beach again. Man, he's hungry. He wants to hear from heaven. There he is again on that walkway. There he is again praising in his car. When was the last time that you raised your hand in worship at your house? 
When was the last time that you got on your knees and, and you said, God, you are worthy for no other reason than just to say, I love you. And thank you for what you've done for me. When was the last time you were in your car and you just started praising God like crazy? And people next to you are like, dude, this guy's tripping. When was the last time you just lost it and you got into that zone, the drop zone where everything else just melted away? When was the last time? I'm telling you, God's calling us back to that place. He wants to be involved in the building of our church and of our life and of this city. He's calling you back to the drop zone. And there may be some of you here that uh, have never even entered in. Maybe there's some of you here that don't even know what, what I'm talking about because you don't have that relationship with Christ. But I have a feeling that God's tugging on some hearts this morning. And he's calling you back to, to your first love because whether you know it or not, you were created by God and for God. So if everybody can close their eyes really quickly, I just want to give those people an opportunity. The people that have never stepped into that zone, that other dimension, the people that don't have that relationship with Christ, because that's the first step. So if that's you, if you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never invited Jesus in to be Lord of your life, I want to give you that opportunity. Or maybe you once did, but you've taken your life back. Well, I want to give you that opportunity to, to come back to your first love to come back to that secret place where it's just you and God. So if that's you, if you've never given your life or you once did and you took it back, but today you're saying, I want to come back to you, God. I want you to raise your hand in this place right now and I'll, I'll see it and I want to pray for you. 